Angel Heart Radio programs should not be used to replace your legal or medical advice, nor your own sound judgment. Welcome to Angel Heart Radio, where we inspire you to remember your magnificence. Join the conversation on our live streams. Head on over to Angel Heart Radio on Facebook. And there's even more for you on angellight777.com. We are so delighted to be with you today. Thank you so much for joining us and being present with us here on Angel Heart Radio. We've got another awesome topic from our awesome Philip Duxfield. Hi, Philip. Good morning, Anaya. Good morning, everybody. So, guys, today we're talking about uh, security and significance and how that plays out in our subconscious and then therefore reflects in our daily lives. And what's the difference between security and um, significance for men and women? These are really important questions and ones that we may not really have considered before, Philip, and yet they influence every single aspect of our lives, don't they? Much more so than I think anybody really realises. Perhaps we should start with just a little bit of background uh, for for where we're coming from, particularly where I'm coming from for these two topics. Whereas um, in in all of my my psychotherapy and my my counseling process, uh, this significance and security, uh, these concepts have become kind of the cornerstone of me reaching and allowing people to find the ability to facilitate significant change and to move on from those really self-destructive behavior patterns and all that stuff. Um, So it's, they're very simple concepts, but they are massively influential and hugely underappreciated, I find in in most people. So, so when I say I've made these the cornerstone of my practice, it's because they've been so incredibly effective um, at helping people go from where they are to where they want to be. So, um, so that's why you hear me talk about these ideas a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Which is really cool, Philip, because, you know, oftentimes, and I'm sure it's like this for many of you guys listening or watching, I'll hear a concept, boom, the light goes on. It's an aha moment. It feels really powerful. And then days, weeks, sometimes hours later, I think, what was that again? It's really important to hear these very important Um, points over and over again it's the way our conscious and subconscious works we need to have repetition when we're learning especially if it's something new that we're learning right Hmm. yeah Hmm. Yeah, very very true yeah so um so i both apologize and also don't apologize for (laughs) coming coming back around the same mountain again and again and again Uh, i mean i've benefited so much from revisiting these concepts um regularly uh, not only just because you you gain a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation for the significance of these ideas, but also it's cool to see what what you what you were doing and what was influencing you. And then two years, five years, ten years later, go man, how much have I changed? What's what's influencing me now? Absolutely, and I find that I actually have that experience a lot. Particularly lately, I seem to be doing a lot of taking some leaps, some really significant leaps personally. Um, I want to welcome everyone to Angel Heart Radio. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you're tuning in on the podcast or maybe you're watching the replay. And to remind you that Angel Heart Radio programs should not be used to replace your legal, medical or any professional advice, nor your sound judgment. 
Um, Philip is, you will find Philip at Rogue Therapies here on Facebook. What's your website, Philip? Roguetherapies.com. There you go. How simple is that, guys? Boom. <laughs> Roguetherapies.com. And it's really wonderful because Philip's very accessible. So if you have a care or concern and you just want to reach out and touch base with Philip, you're very open to that, aren't you, Philip? Very much so, yes. Which is great. So if you have a comment, a question or a concern, if you just want to share something, please do add it on the Angel Heart Radio Facebook page on the live stream in the comment section. I'll be able to see it, share it with Philip, and we'll be very, very uh, happy to bring that into the program because your question is the question of many others as well. So that's really awesome. Okay, Philip, first of all, can I just ask, when we're talking about um, security and significance, for the purposes of today's program, what do you mean by that? Uh, so... We are talking about two core ideas that we carry with us through our entire life. And these are two needs, just basic needs. I guess that's the easiest way to, to sum them up. We need to feel safe, security, and we need to feel like we matter, significance. What happens, however, is your world as you experience it will give you an idea and imprint this idea on your subconscious about why you feel safe or why you matter. And naturally our world can be quite a, quite a negative space. It can be quite a destructive space. Our parents, as much as they love us and want the best for us, are imperfect people and sometimes without meaning to communicate these not so healthy ideas about where we can find safety or where we can find that significance. Nevertheless, they become imprinted on our subconscious and we live our life trying to serve that idea or that need. So if we're starting from security, which is the primary need for most women, so most women won't even worry about why they matter until they know why they feel safe. And let's explore some ideas for how a, a woman might feel safe. Uh, so example number one, uh, let's call her Jane. Jane grows up in a world where she actually has a fantastic example of a marriage shown to her by her mother and her father. Her mother and her father, they are good to each other. They stay married for forever, essentially, till death do us part and they have great relationships with other married people. What can happen is this imprints an idea on Jane's subconscious that her parents were safe because they were married, because they could always rely and lean on each other. So marriage or relationships equals safety. She may not be aware of this, however. So when it comes time for her to seek a partner, she's going to, without intending to, put all of her need to feel safe on her partner, which means that the second her partner lets her down, it's going to be incredibly distressing. Whereas other people might be like, oh, my partner let me down, who cares, moving on with my life. For some reason, it's difficult for her to, to cope with. And the reason why is that the subconscious idea that a strong marriage is security in the absence of that, I'm not safe anymore. Mm. 
Yeah, this is so true. I remember when I, I got married for the first time at 18 and I got married primarily. Yes, I really believed I was in love, but primarily because I felt that I was getting old and it was time I was married and having babies because that was the culture I grew up in. Girls went to school, went to high school, learned home ec and all that sort of stuff got themselves a husband, looked after the house, and my primary goals were um, a shag pile carpet, a fish tank, and a nice car, which sounds hilarious now. But they were really deep concerns for me at the time because that was my idea of security. It meant I would have made it. We had enough money to purchase those things. That So, therefore, I was safe. And through my life, learning what it really means to feel safe and secure within myself as a woman and a human being has been an incredible journey, but it's a journey of great courage, Philip. Mm, yeah, and uh, ready or not, here it's coming, right? Because you're gonna have those, you're gonna have those issues where you know maybe your first marriage doesn't last, and you're going to feel completely abandoned and unsafe in the world. Where are you going to go to next for your safety? Where, where did you go to, Anaya, once that uh, first marriage failed? Look, I was so incredibly blessed. I just, uh, now looking back, I realise and recognise the significance and the power of the blessing of my parents. Because, you know, I was 18 years old. I'd never lived away from home. I, I'd had a job, but mum used to pick me up and drop me off. I Essentially, I didn't know who I was. And my parents were so amazing because I had a son. I have a son. He was a baby at the time. They were so incredible because they allowed me to continue to grow up. I could take my son to them at any time. They would look after him for hours or overnight. Which so meant your safety became your parents. Yes. And their surprising support I didn't think my dad would be so so supportive in that way you know he was very much at that time you made your bed now lie in it kind of guy but that then he jumped off that cliff of, and found his courage as well and they really supported me so I was able to continue to learn and grow I'd go out with my friends you know on a Friday night I was very much a present mother but I also had that ability to know what it was like to be 18 and 19 and 20. Mm. So I was very blessed and I didn't realise. I knew it, but that realisation came later. Mm. Yeah, well, good on your parents. It sounds like they were fantastic support for you at that time. Mm. How, how long were you married for the first time in there? 15 months. Okay. And then I was married again, not for a lot of years, though. I have no idea how long. This is the thing. It's like looking back at all of this, I'm such a different person now, fundamentally so changed. It doesn't even really feel like that was my life because that person doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, and then yeah. the third time I was married, I was married for 15 years. 
So it's been a very interesting journey. And I really was as a very codependent person in my, in my last marriage. Um, I didn't know how to be me. You know, I, I wanted permission. How, do you like my hair? No, nope, never do it again. Do you like this dress? Nope, I'll never wear it again. That kind of thing. So I was learning a lot, Philip, about what my idea of security and significance really was at the time. Okay, so here's where it could get a bit interesting if I can yes. stay on you and I for a minute. <laughs> it sounds like perhaps because your sense of security had had become so so rightly uh, assigned to your parents and how supportive they were. So once you have a strong sense of security and a strong idea of where that is, you start concerning yourself with your significance. So in your first marriage, were you looking for security? And in your second marriage, were you looking for significance? Were you looking to be for that approval? I don't think I was looking for the approval as much in those two relationships as I was in my last marriage. Um, I can't even honestly remember how I was feeling in terms of those really finer points. I just knew that I just felt I was supposed to be there because that was what happens. You get married, you have children, right? So I never made any choices like that for myself other than it's time to get married. Did you, did you ever lean on your second husband as a security or were you always leaning on your parents still through your whole second marriage? Through my whole second marriage, I think really it was more one of my sisters. We were very, very close and I could talk to her about anything. Uh, Mum and dad had divorced by this stage. Um, they both had, they both subsequently remarried. Um, but it was really one of my sisters who was my mainstay. She was the one that I went to for everything. Talked everything so over. Yeah. Perhaps does that, does that mean that your idea of security was from your family? Yes. Even though your parents got divorced and they separated and went in separate directions, you could still rely on your family. So the idea was still Absolutely. the same. It's just the a family stayed change. close. The family yeah, stayed yeah. close. We would go, we would do family holidays together, all of us. You know, we actually stayed quite close in that way. Um, and my stepmother, I'm very, very close to. I mean, I just consider her my second mother and I still have her in my life, which is so beautiful. Um, but it really wasn't until I got into my last marriage, Philip, this is so interesting. And I'm wondering how this is reflecting for you guys listening as well with significant relationships in your life. Um, it wasn't until then that I became 100% codependent. Oh, I see. Mm. And I don't know why. So what do you think you were missing then that you were hoping I that? It. I got 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 it. <laughs> I got it. Okay. So we're talking about security and significance. I always felt very insignificant as a person. And I, and I did for many, 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 many years. Um, and my dad, as many men were in those days, I'm 64. Um, 
dad was very, very rigid all the time. Show no emotion, no matter what. And I always thought he was, he was quite cold in that way. Turns out, of course, he was a very emotional man trying to keep it all trapped inside because that's not what men are supposed to do, right? So I realise now, looking back, that I married a man and men who were unable to be available to me emotionally because my unconscious belief was if, if I could make them love me, it would prove I was lovable. Ah, well done. Very That's well done. what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love the discoveries. <laughs> but they were very painful at the time. Don't get me wrong. I went through hell and high water. So if, if you're experiencing anything like this, A, get some support. Reach out to Philip. He's awesome. He's here on Facebook. You can private message him. He will respond. Um, make sure that you're getting the support that is bringing you, which sounds like I'm repeating myself, but I'm not, support and not just bagging your partner, talking about how terrible things are, because that'll keep you feeling stuck, right? Yeah, and what a difficult thing to go through when the, the penny is probably dropping for a lot of uh, a lot of people, right? Where they're thinking, gee, did did I get into this relationship for the same reason that Anaya got into that relationship? Because I want someone to approve of me. I want to be told I'm a worthwhile human being. And so you're bending over backwards trying to convince your significant other that you're great. When really, ideally, your significant other should just be showering you with love unconditionally, mm. ideally. Yeah. Ideally, because the thing was, I, I, I unconsciously and subconsciously chose a man who was not capable of that. Mm. So therefore, yeah. I was already um, in a very difficult position. And, you know, then I, it just and then it's an addiction. It becomes more and more necessary to, to get that approval, to get that feeling of love and connection. And the more it's taken away. You know, it, it really is an addiction. The more desperate I became to to get it, to have it, to feel it, to experience it, and it never came. Hmm. And so, what would you say, Anaya, to to those women primarily who uh, find themselves in those relationships that were looking for that security, and perhaps their either their last relationship fell apart, or maybe their marriage ended, and they don't have family to lean on for that security first and foremost the most important thing most important step i believe is to learn what it means to be to treat yourself as a valuable person so for example if you're having a conversation and it's negative and and you're feeling dragged down and and you're feeling anxious that's a sure sign that you're in a position that you have placed yourself in that environment that is only going to reinforce your feeling of, of lack and of, you know, very low self-worth. So it's, it's gratitude, Philip, which sounds so incredibly easy and overly used. But gratitude, find, I don't care what it is, find something to give thanks for. By Excellent. doing this, yeah that then begins to create an opportunity it won't make you feel better overnight or it probably won't but you then start to create opportunities in which to experience positive 
um, thoughts and feelings, which then influence um, the, the, the types of chemicals that our body and our brain are producing. Right? Mm, very good. Mm. That's so important. And, and no matter how bad things are, find something, anything. Have you got feet? Have you got hands? Have you got fingers? Have you got water? It can be as basic as that. You've got lungs. You've got eyes. So you're deaf. Can you, can you sign? Find something, anything. There are subtitles running right now. So even if you're uh, hearing impaired or have no hearing, you can, if you can read, if you can't read, get someone to teach you. The, yeah. Actually, the opportunities are endless, but it takes time to recognise that, right? Mm. Mm. And, and let's, let's take it a step back here as well. Because um, often when you, you have people like Anaya and myself and we're, we're saying, wow, there's so many good things you can do when, and you are able to make a turnaround, that there's still a, a, a chasm, isn't there? There's a great divide mm. still between, but I feel worthless right now. And even just engaging in the act of gratitude still feels like it could be a hundred miles away from where I am. So let me just give you permission right now just to be a little broken and a little hurt. Now, you know, your subconscious is trying to keep you in a negative space because that's where it feels like you're safest. So it's, it's just a survival mode. You don't hate yourself and the universe isn't out to get you. It's just, wow, you've been hurt and, and hurt happens and your, your brain is trying to keep you safe. But if you stay there, then you'll, you'll, you'll miss out on living as well. So it's, it's okay to be there. It's, it's okay to, to be in that space and, and give your body permission for the rather difficult situation it's put you in right now. It's, it's all part of the process and it will end. Assuredly, it will end. Yeah. Even baby steps count, right? Even baby steps count. And knowing that, um, for me at the time, and for me, it already started turning around when I really started connecting. Oh, no, that's not true. First of all, it started to turn around when I found a series called um, Homecoming. No, Bradshaw on the family, but John Bradshaw. That was like major, major, major milestone for me. It's still available. And this man really, he's kind of like really coined working with the inner child, right? And what he was saying was breaking me open in one way, but also lifting me up in many others and started to give me something that made sense. And so that was the journey I first took. And at that stage, I was very, very afraid of everything and everyone. Um, and so I was a great comedian you know, laughed at, you know, all my sentences I was laughing in, you know, that, that's a, that's a real clue, isn't it? The more we're laughing, sometimes that's a substitute for crying, right? For tears. Mm. And that's really a sad and lonely place to be, but it's not the only place. Um, so, I found that. And then when I started really consciously, consciously connecting with the angels, it was like amazing. 
they started showing me how they saw me, which was very difficult in the beginning. And I'm going to post a little clip later about that. Actually, it's on angellight777.com or uh, theangelcode.com. Go and have a look. It's beautiful. Um, you do have choice. Now, Chrissy shares, um, I had the experience, I had experienced the same thing in my life in, with three relationships. I started to love myself first now. Congratulations. That's powerful. We've yeah, got some yeah. wonderful people. Mm, it's very powerful. Hi from Angel Wings. Hello, Angel Wings. And we've got lots of other people watching as well. Thank you so much for being present with us. If you have anything that you want to ask, share, just put out there, put in the comments on the Angel Heart Radio Facebook page and Philip will be able to support you, as I will too. So, Philip, this is a journey, as I said before, of tremendous courage. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess that's putting it mildly, but there's no, there really is no other way to sum it up, is there? Um, other than to say that everybody's going to find their courage one baby step at a time. But yes, it does take a lot of courage. And um, you know what? Some, sometimes the the ways in which we hide and the behaviours we do to to cover our failings are such clues as to what's going on. Um, me, for example, having grown up in, uh, in, in a military family and always being on the move, naturally, I found it quite difficult to, to maintain long-term relationships because I physically couldn't. And one of my survival methods was learning to be the social chameleon, they call it, where you just reflect the person that you're in front of to gain instant acceptance and be able to make friends very easily. Um, which led to some other survival behaviors, which I did to create social circles for myself. And it was all because I was feeling afraid. But long term, it's also shaped the person that I've become, because now being a social chameleon is one of the primary abilities that allows me to facilitate what I do, which is being a therapist. Yeah. So it came from a place of fear, but it's turned into something wonderful. Do you know what I mean? I do. I really do. Because I, my dad was in, in the Air Force. Yeah. So you never anywhere for very long at all. You just start to feel like you're settling in and you've made some friends. And the next thing, it's a new place, new house, new school. And, you know, it, it's terrifying. And in my case, one of the other things that really got difficult for me was um, at the time I didn't realize I'm, I'm I suppose you'd call it dyslexic. Um, in some form and I would get to a new school and they would the curriculum was so different from the previous state and I could never catch up Philip and I then I felt even more worthless and less secure because I couldn't do the work and I was always that kid does anybody not understand put your hand up my hand was always up so in the end I just became extremely rebellious and if I was handed a test, I remember I used to make a paper plane and throw up to the front of the class. So I was putting the kids for the dumb class, you know, you know the dumb class, where typically is full of very intelligent people, but it wasn't recognised at the time, right? Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. And so, so many great and valuable little lessons there, right? Is that sometimes the most rebellious children are the most intelligent ones. Sometimes the children with the shortest attention span or the ones who are playing up in class the most, it's because they have already figured everything out because they're too smart for the material and are bored and understimulated. Not always the case, but important to distinguish sometimes, isn't it? Absolutely. And sometimes it's because we're very sensitive. And the only way we know how to deal with that is to not care. Hmm. And, uh, Nothing can reach you then, <clears throat> I think. Super important to put this out there because this was absolutely a message from above where, and, and it's it's been important to me, it's been important to parents. So note this down. Rebellion is what happens when we don't know what makes us significant. We rebel and we feel instant significance, right? And it can be in any way, shape or form, but it makes you feel important. I've seen this, uh, especially with gambling is the amazing one. Uh, guys and girls who get addicted to gambling, they don't know, uh, don't have any significance, don't know why they matter in the world. They don't have that thing that goes, yeah, this is what makes my life have purpose. This is what makes me matter in the world. In the absence of that, that you've got to feel significant somehow. So they go gambling, they get a little win, it's a bit rebellious, it's a bit naughty, but hey, oh, suddenly I'm winning. I'm cheating the system. It's it's rebellion and it's to compensate for a lack of significance. That's very powerful. That is so important. It's so easy to misinterpret, misunderstand exactly why and sometimes we have no clue why we're doing something right we behave in a way we don't know and you ask a child why did you do that i don't know do you know what for me for me personally because because i survived by being a natural giver because everybody likes a giver and i was always having to make new friends so when i wanted to feel significant and i wanted to use rebellion i couldn't do it to annoy someone else so it would always have to be self-destructive something like smoking cigarettes mm. or uh, speeding in a car when there was nobody else around. The only person I can hurt is myself. But right. these little acts of rebellion made me feel cool. But it was just rebellion and it was just because I didn't know who I was. Yeah. You know, you're also helping me remember, I remember going to a party once. Oh, gosh, I think I was only in my 20. I've got no idea. And I could see, and it's you, women... And I guess men too now, especially because the things have changed so much, you know, you've got your little clicky groups and they're usually the really cool and good looking people. And I, there was a group of these women and I could see them, you know, kind of talk, look at her. She's so fat kind of thing, you know? And so the only way I knew to deal with that was, sort of, Oh my God, you think I'm fat now? You should have seen me. Ha ha ha. You know, it's that, it's that really tender place that so desperately hurt and you can't feel that what you're feeling. So I go and have something else to eat. So I would just eat and eat and eat. And then when I was full enough, oh, thank God for that. And then I'd feel better. Hmm. And then I got to a point where I couldn't go to sleep at night unless my stomach was full. Because then I felt secure. You see, I felt wow. Safe. Wow. And then I was able to link that back to when I was a, a newborn. Um, mum said, I screamed day and night, day and night, because 
apparently there was something not right with her milk, but they wouldn't let her put me on the bottle. And so she um, took me to bed to feed me one night because she was so exhausted. And when she woke up, I was gone. I was somehow at the bed at six weeks old. And she thought she'd killed me. So there were all these feelings of fear and desperation all wrapped up around food for me. And it took a really long time for me to start putting some of those pieces together, Philip, mm. understand that it was more than just eating. And that understanding started to bring, I still want to overeat, but by and large, I don't anymore. I think that's really powerful there. And I think that's going to really like strike a chord with a lot of listeners, how maybe in the absence of you feeling safe, you ate. And as you say, you didn't feel safe until you had a full belly. Maybe it's because you didn't have a clear sense of security back then. Yes. Very powerful. Wow. It is very powerful. And it's, as I said it's before, it's that, that journey of courage, taking that leap into terror, really, because facing is stuff when you've, hit, when you've hidden it for so long is very, very painful and, and difficult. Yeah, yeah. And changing your behavior like this, even when you know it's bad for you, gee, it especially when it's going straight to those super core needs like the need to feel safe, which you're always going to have. It's never going to go away. And if you have that conscious realization that overeating is not a good way for me to feel safe, the second you try to challenge that behavior, your whole system's going to go into haywire. Hey, everything's going to be like flashing lights and sirens and like, woo, woo, like, what are you doing? You must keep danger, eating. Danger, danger, yeah. danger, 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 danger. Yeah, but yeah. that's, yeah, it's just, that's okay. Hey, that's just you reprogramming your subconscious. Your subconscious isn't rational. It's just a computer sending out signals based on what's been fed into it so far. And it's, yeah. it's, it's the false, you know, the fear, the false evidence appearing real. Oh that's, yeah, so true, so good. Yeah, that that's where that really comes into play as well. Um, it's just so amazing. Chrissy shares our bad relationships have made me become a stronger person today. But sometimes I do have my crying time trying to understand why that happened to me. That's so powerful, Chrissy. Mm. Isn't it, Philip? Yeah, yeah. And again, let me encourage you, Chrissy, because I know it feels like I've been through all these bad things and it, it sucks. And now you want to cry, but crying is part of processing. Crying is how you get rid of your grief that you ever had to go through in the first place. Crying is just you letting all, all the negativity out so you can get yourself back to healed and whole and back to baseline. And, and as you said, it's through those trials that you have become something more than you were before. So you've, you've become stronger, you've become more effective. You now have the ability to impact others in such a positive way, maybe even spare them the same pain that you yourself had to go through. And what a wonderful gift to, to be able to pass on to someone. So good for you. Absolutely. And the courage to share that, Chrissy, is mm. very powerful. Um, you know, someone will come along later and they may not even make a comment, but they'll read that. And it's knowing you're not alone, that there's not something fundamentally wrong with you 
Uh, you know what I mean? Because I that's where I was at for many years. I just felt that I was fundamentally unlovable, fundamentally broken in a way that couldn't be identified. And therefore, I would never, ever be worthy of any kind of love. And it's such a deep, it's, it's just such a deep pain because it speaks to it speaks to our worth and value as a human being, right? Mm. Yeah, so perhaps it's a good time just to remind everybody that no one's here by accident. You are here on purpose. You were designed deliberately. So someone wanted you here exactly as you are at exactly this time for a very specific purpose. So true. And, and, to when when the angels first said these words to me i was actually crushed and i do speak about this in a beautiful interview i did with sherry myers um on how to connect with angels it it, it is so it's one of my it's one of those times philip where i feel i was able to share because we're talking about the angel code um it was one of those times where I felt the sharing was so incredibly anchored in, in my heart, you know, that true heart sharing. And when the angels first said to me to remember my magnificence, I just felt like I'd been, I was flawed. How could anyone, anyone think that I had anything magnificent about me? because I had such great self-loathing at the time. And here's the thing, guys, that will change. It's the willingness to know even that tiny little seed, Philip, that teeny tiny little seed of hope, if you nurture that, it will grow, tend mm. to it. And that's why, you know, on the Angel Heart Radio um, page we say you know planting seeds of hope that's what we do that's why angel heart radio one of the reasons angel heart radio is so important to me we need to plant seeds of hope in ourselves in others in the world you know, we're amazing beings yeah and just because you haven't seen that kind of love yet because you've only had a poor example of it from living in the world and the world does not give a very good example of love. Trust me, it's out there. There is a very real higher power out there who wants to show you that I love you not as the world loves. This is completely different. And mm. we'll, we'll get there a little bit, a little bit of a time, but just know that, yeah, you're very, very loved and very, very special and absolutely magnificent. Definitely, yes. definitely. And the thing of it is, it's in us already. We can look for it in so many different ways. I look for mine in food. I look for mine in sex. I look for mine in arguing. I look for mine in stealing when I was when I was a teenager, young and actually an adolescent. I look for it in so many different ways. Uh, drinking. Thank God it made me so well I couldn't continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, the thing is, it was all that looking out. I, I didn't know it was inside me, which it's inside you and all of us, Philip. 
And the really cool thing about all these terrible experiences that we have is when we actually get that and start to recognize it, it's so liberating, right? Mm. Yeah. And it's so powerful and it's transformative. Mm. Yeah. And to be able to look back over those dark periods of your life and see everything in such clarity because it's created in you something so significant is uh, just a blessing beyond words. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we should probably loop back a little more to security before we get well into the topic. Now. <laughs> but before we do that, I want to welcome um, Lee. Lee's with us again. Love having you with us, Lee. Lee says hello. Chrissy, thank you for all your sharing. We've got a lot of people with us, as I say, who aren't commenting, but man, oh, man, we love having you with us. Uh, Lee, if you'd like to ask anything, share anything, or anybody else, Angel Heart Radio Facebook on the live stream in the comments. Perfect. Uh, so back to our, co our conversation about the importance of security, what we need to feel secure and some of the perhaps less healthy ways to feel secure. Something I see a lot uh, in, in men and women, particularly once they're coming out of a failed marriage, is they will naturally, uh, probably women more than men, because men will start to assign significance to, and women will start to assign security to money. So it's, it's easy to understand why. Uh, you may have gone into your first marriage thinking, this is gonna make me feel safe, and it fails. So subconsciously you've decided marriage will not be a, a viable place for me to place my security in. So naturally the next thing you go for is money. Makes sense, right? If I can just work hard enough, earn enough, save enough money, I'll be safe. And we've said this before, hey, how, how money, money's not good or evil. It's just a thing, but it makes a terrible master. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so to close, by the way, everybody. <laughs> And, and the reason I bring it up is because a lot of people aren't really consciously aware of how much they are a slave to their need to make money, to save money, to earn money. And it's, it maybe they'll go through the whole life having made plenty of money, it'll never really be an issue. But if it comes to the point as it often does, where they might lose a job unexpectedly, or maybe there's a, an expected addition to your family, which makes money really tight, these things can suddenly be massively, massively challenging. And it's because people aren't so consciously aware that all of their security is tied up in the fact that I have money, therefore I'm safe. Ringing any bells yet, Anna? Oh, God. It's like, it's a little bit deafening, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And, you know, and the thing of it is about that as well, isn't it? That um, society really backs that up mm. and makes that, you know, like the number one thing. And, you know, that, and, and like it's a really good thing. Mm. So the question becomes then, what do you do, right? Mm. If you can't place your money in security, where do you place your faith? That's really the question that has to be and has to be 
asked, debated, and answered by you for you. Because yep. nobody else can tell you what's going to make you feel safe. That's exactly right. And you'll know it automatically because you will feel it, right? Mm. It's how, it's when we feel that sense of inner peace or inner calm, even momentarily. It's when we get the tightening of, you know, our bodies are incredible. They'll tell us, you know, you get that low-level anxiety or maybe it's a full-blown anxiety. So when I had anxiety, when I, when I went through a really difficult period of three years of anxiety recently, I always thought before then that anxiety was something you thought your way out of and you just had to be strong. Man, oh, man, did I learn such a massive lesson about that and how arrogant I've actually been around that. You know, strong people aren't, don't have anxiety. Yeah. So in, in finishing up that little idea of good security, bad security, where can I find my security? Where can I place my security? Um, there are, you've got lots of good options. Um, obviously for people like Anaya and myself, it's easy for us to find security in our faith. Um, and faith is a great place to have security because faith is very unchanging and it's very stable, but at the same time, not everybody has a good relationship like that with a higher power or with your angels. So you can't just leap into a relationship like that, which will give you instant satisfaction in that area. So, so then what do you do? Is it wrong to look for security in your partner or from money or from your family? The short answer is no, of course not. But you just got to be aware that at some point, these things are likely to fail you in some way, shape or form. So give your partner permission ahead of time to let you down in a big way. Give your family sufficient permission <laughs> to be selfish from time to time. If you've got your family to say, I need you and they say, I can't go, fair enough. You can't always be there for me. I get it. And work hard save some money but realize that money comes and goes so it's as we always say it, it's a good place to be responsible but it's a terrible master yeah so true know. yeah so true and sometimes i think too philip it's really great to have if you're in that kind of relationship already and you know what it's even good to have that relationship with yourself where you start to sort of really think about okay so what are my triggers what triggers me to act out in whatever area or areas it might be for you so for me as i said before i had a big a big thing with with food uh, needing food to feel safe and specifically sweet food um it's, it's taking that journey. So I, I now understand that, say, for example, if I'm at the shop, say, oh, my God, I just want some chocolate, <laughs> right? And, and I'm not always successful, i.e. this last Sunday. Um, <laughs> but what I've, what I've learned to do is, okay, so I'm going to have some chocolate today, but I don't buy a bar. I just buy a little, you know, a little thing of chocolate, and I find that's enough. And the other thing I've learned to do is when I'm not eating anything, it's usually at night, when I'm not eating anything like that at night, is to have that conversation with me. It's all right. You just need to go through this an hour. You know that you'll get through this. You know you're going to really crave to eat. And if this is about something else. 
And sometimes I can take that journey and sometimes I can't. And so what I've learned to do is when I can't take the journey, I'll have some cereal or something. And it's, it's fine. Whereas before I'd want to have an ice cream or whatever it was. So it's making incremental changes. Though I think it's important. It's, it doesn't work to make great massive changes about everything. It just doesn't work. Mm, so true. Yeah, it's, it's not only the, the small compromises that add up to large problems. It's, it's the little wins that add up to great progress. Oh, mm. baby steps, right? Yeah, the baby steps. Baby steps are underrated. <laughs> so, so we're coming, you know, close now to the end of today's program, reminding everyone, uh, roguetherapies.com, Rogue Therapies here on Facebook. And, um, okay, I've lost my thread. Oh, yes, and Philip is normally with me on the third Monday of the month in the USA on the USA timeline at 8.30 Eastern, um, which is Tuesday morning at 10.30 here in Brisbane, Australia. But today uh, we're doing it a day early, right? So, and the show guide, angelheartradio.com. It's great because anything you want to know about what we're doing, when we're doing it and what we're offering is all there. It's fab. So, Philip, I'd like to round off today with, let's talk about briefly how, what is the difference, the fundamental difference in men and women and our need for security and significance? I know that's a show on its own, and I think we should come back and do it relating to men um, because we've spoken a lot today about women. So let's just make sure that we're also letting you guys know that and <laughs> Lee's, Lee is already responding to that. The fundamental difference is the order in which we need to satisfy these needs. So women will want to satisfy their need for security first. And then once they feel it satisfied, they will start to concern themselves with why they feel significant. And in men, it's the exact opposite. And uh, let me give you an example of how profound this can be is one of my clients who I started working with a good 15 years ago. Um, he felt significant as long as he owned property. Um, never mind the fact that when I met him, he was homeless or in and out of homelessness and was again for the next five years, but didn't matter because as long as he felt significant, he felt fine. He was then sort of worrying about feeling secure, but really didn't bother him. Wasn't that high on his radar? He felt significant. He was a property owner. So despite the fact that he hadn't washed in weeks and lived on the streets, still just kind of functioning. So it's when I say significant needs, I mean, it was a really significant needs. Yeah. Yeah. And those significant needs are often underestimated because we view them as something else. We view them in a different way and we get a lot of support from others to see them in that way. So this will be great. I'd really love to come back and talk about, um, security and and significance particularly for men because it's easy to focus on a lot on women right and and it's different it's different for men and women mm. yeah. yes very much so yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go that'll make a great topic for next month next month Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. I just love it. So, guys, thank you so much for being with us once again. Um, you'll find Angel Heart Radio podcast and all your favorite platforms, angelheartradio.com for the show guide, Rogue Therapies, especially for Philip and on Facebook. So please do reach out. And I guess the most important thing today to leave you with is to remember that you actually do matter, even if you feel that you don't. And you aren't alone, even if you feel that you are. And we are actually here for you, like in a real way. So reach out. <laughs> I'm getting lots Very of good. <laughs> Yeah, so that's great. And it's important because it's really, really tough when you feel like you don't matter. It's heartbreaking. Mm. And never forget, so much to offer everyone else as well. You guys have so much inherent goodness and capability. Then, yeah, just go out and be a blessing because it's in you already. It's in you already. That's right. You can't help it. The fact that you don't know it doesn't mean to say it's not there. Okay. Thank you, Belinda. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, lots of other people who haven't put a comment in, so I won't mention your name on air. Thank you very much for being with us. It's always such a pleasure and such a privilege to spend this time with you. Um, and coming into the fullness of who we are is a, is a huge journey. There's no doubt about it. But the best place to start with two simple things, kindness to yourself and gratitude. Because the kinder you are to you, so the next time you hear yourself making a disparaging remark about yourself or having that thought be aware of it and all you have to say to yourself is I matter and that will begin a wonderful journey for you okay thank you thank you thank you thank you Philip as always great great fun great sharing thank you always a pleasure (laughs) okay thanks guys um hang on I've got to follow my controls because I don't know where they are there we go Lots of love, everyone. Take good care. Bye for now. (laughs) You've been listening to another fabulous program on Angel Heart Radio. Our goal is to remind you of how much you matter in the world and to let you know that we appreciate who you are in the world. Angel Heart Radio programs are powerful tools. They are not intended, nor should they, be used to replace your medical or legal advice. The views and opinions expressed by Angel Heart Radio hosts, guests, co-hosts and associates should not be construed as advice from Angel Heart Radio. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.